0: Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Are you can be seated. Yeah, thank you. And uh, it's, a, it's already been a different day so far, so good stuff. If you want the smoke, we got it. Um... <laughs> Uh, you know, obviously met Pastor Keith, he's the lead pastor here, I'm, I'm Josh, I'm his son, I'm also one of the pastors here, and if you're new, if you're brand new to our church, and you just jumped into a raging river, so really glad that you're here, and uh, God's doing some really awesome stuff. We really want to welcome you if you're new, if you're brand new to our environment, or maybe you're brand new to church in general. Uh, we're a really relational church. We want to do life together. That's what we seek to do. You know, uh, the church is not a building. The church is people. Jesus called the church a gathering. It's a gathering of people. We have a beautiful building, but our building is is just a part of what it means to be a part of our church. And so we have a number. It's 972-945-9772. And that's not an automated uh, service. Uh, some of us, some of you, you may be more like me. Like if if you're my friend, you know I have a strict no-call policy, so we like texting. And uh, you, can, you can text that number, uh, and we'll pray with you. Anything that you need, there's actually a human being there that's there to pray with you, give you maybe more information about our church, help you take your next step. Uh, one of the things we want you to do is, if you're brand new, is just text the letters VIP to that number so that we can connect with you, and we have a free gift for you for texting that number. We're really gr- grateful that you're here. We want, we want to get you plugged in and connected to humans and God as soon as possible. And then if you're in this room, right up here on this side of our building, we have a welcome lounge that we'd love to, some of our team's going to be up there. We'd love to meet you and, uh, and connect with you and get to know you a little bit better after the service. Make sure that you meet us. If you're watching online, we got all kinds of online ways to connect too, so don't feel like you're disconnected just because you're watching online. And then last thing I'll say, and we'll just jump right in, Easter's coming up. And uh, yeah, Easter's coming. It's going to be awesome. We have a huge Easter kind of celebration, a massive Easter experience you know, a lot of us, we hear, we hear terms, these terms are thrown around in, um, in society, like, hey, go change the world. You know, everyone's, everyone's wanting to change the world. You know, when you get, when a person really does get introduced to Jesus, it really does change their life forever. And a lot of us in this room, most of us in this room probably have experienced that on some level. And you can change the world because you can introduce somebody to Jesus. You can put them in a position where God does something in their life that changes them, which changes their family and changes everyone that they have the opportunity to meet. So you can absolutely change the world, and I'll tell you how easy it is. You can get an invite card, invite someone to Easter, and then just watch what God does in their life and go, man, I was a part of changing that person's world and therefore changing the world. It's possible. You can do it. Yeah. So make sure you get an invite card on the way out, Now I'm just going to jump in. So we're, we're starting a series called, called Legends this weekend. We're talking primarily uh, about Hebrews chapter 11, what the Bible calls the, or what a lot of people call it, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but a lot of people call it the faith hall of fame and so we're going to talk about some characters from the faith hall of fame but before we do i just got a reminder so can we welcome rosie from arizona and dj from california they're watching we love you thanks for watching we're all really glad that you're watching and um, um what and many others many others all throughout the land all right so uh, so we're talking about Abraham, and, um, and to start off, Abraham's the first legend we're going to come to, because really what God wants us to do and we look at, when we look at the Bible, I feel like a lot of times we feel like we're reading a comic book, like these people weren't real human beings, and they didn't really have real human thoughts and real human emotions, but these people very much did. But what makes them, what makes them Hall of Fame, what makes them legendary, was their response to what God was trying to do in their life. So in Genesis chapter 22 there is this uh, story. If you know anything about the story of Abraham, Abraham's the patriarch, he's the father of our faith. Abraham, God comes to Abraham when he's 75 years old. Abraham didn't have a son. He said, I'm not only gonna give you a son, I'm gonna give you descendants that touch the world. You're gonna have more descendants than sand on the seashore. And it took 25 years for that to happen. So Abraham has his son when he's 100 years old and then, you know, happily ever after, right? Disney story. Um, But then we get an epilogue. So Genesis chapter 22, the Bible says sometime later, we don't know what the time was, but sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith is what the Bible says. And, and God goes to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 and he says, Abraham, Abraham's like, yeah. And um, he says, here I am. And uh, most of us, when we're going to tell someone hard news or when we're going to give someone maybe something that they're not, we're going to talk to someone about something they we feel like they're maybe not ready to hear, we usually try to like ramp them into it or we'll like beat around the bush a little bit. Like, hey, man, I'm going to tell you something. I know it's going to hurt your feelings a little bit, but I'm trying to help you. Or like God in this situation with Abraham could have said, hey. Remember, Abraham, I'm like a promise maker. I'm a promise keeper. I got a really great plan for your life. Stuff's going to be all good. God didn't say any of that. What God said was, hey, Abraham, you there? Abraham's like, yeah, for sure I'm here. And God's like, cool. What I want you to do is I, wanna, I want you to take your son, like the one son I gave you that you love a lot, and I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering on a mountain that I'm going to show you. Hang on. You know, not that, but hang on. Like, that's... Sometime later, like, I, you know, God, I got the promise, right? Like, we're good. Yeah, God didn't give him context. He doesn't give him a reason. You know, all of us like, hey, why? Abraham doesn't even ask, though. God didn't give him a reason. Abraham doesn't ask. The Bible says that, all right, cool. He wakes up the next day, grabs two of his servants, takes his son. They get some wood for the burnt offering, and they set out to the place that God told him about. That's what Genesis 22 says. On the third day, Abraham sees where they're going to go. And he tells his servants, you guys stay here with the donkey, loads Isaac up with a bunch of wood on his back, and they go to climb a mountain. Now, we don't know how old Isaac was. Isaac was obviously old enough to carry enough wood uh, to burn him completely. And, uh, you know, so he, he he didn't really know. What was probably happening either. I mean, again, like imagine humans in these situations because Abraham is not God. Abraham's a human. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of context that we're not getting in this story. Like, what did Abraham think? Did Abraham say anything to anybody? What was Isaac thinking? Because Isaac knew how sacrifices work. Like, hey, you know, like we're, okay, I got all this wood. And usually we, we don't do this on a mountain. We have a place we have an altar down by where we live, and we make sacrifices there. But I guess my dad wants me to do this, and I'm thinking I'd be thinking in my mind like, okay, I guess that uh, where we're we gonna get the animal to sacrifice. And that's what Abraham says to his son Isaac's like, hey dad, where are we gonna get this uh, the 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 sheep? And Abraham just goes, the Lord will provide, right? Um. So he lay he he. The Bible says then he. He takes, he takes the wood and he builds, not only with the wood, but he takes some stone and he builds an altar and he grabs a knife, lays Isaac, I don't know what the, like just, I don't know what the conversation is, okay? I know I'm my dad's son. I'd be like, hey, what, okay, are we practicing? Like, are you just gonna, <laughs> right? I mean, really, uh, okay, I, I'm laying down on this wood now. Okay, now you're holding the knife, up high. You look like you're serious. Is you're freaking me out a little bit, Dad? <laughs> so then, in the story, Abraham's going to to sacrifice his son to God, like he said, and an angel has to come interrupt. Abraham, Abraham, like, oh shoot, you know, almost, <laughs> barely, barely, you know, barely did that. Abraham says. Like just as just as God's about Abraham's about to sacrifice his son, God calls him from him. Abra- Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham uh, replies, yes, here I am. And God says, Don't, don't lay a hand on him. And um, don't hurt him in any way. And then he says, he says this at the at the end of the um, at the end of the chapter. Basically, we know the story. There's a ram caught in the thicket. They sacrificed the ram. God provided that day. And here's what God said to Abraham. He said. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. So we read stories like that, and it's like, oh man, yeah, way to pass the test, Abraham. So God in life, like this is our year of promise, we're saying that as a church, this is miracle month, some really great stuff's going to happen in our life. God had believed, or Abraham had believed for a son for a long time, for pretty much his whole life, but God told him, and then 25 years later it happened, and then right after it happens, God decides to test Abraham by saying, hey, this thing that I told you you were going to get that you always wanted, that's over now. That's not really like living in the promise to me in my mind. It's like once I got it, it's like once I got the money in my bank account, you can't just come take it out. You know, Once I got the promise, I should get to hold on to that forever. And the Bible says in Genesis 22, God decided to test Abraham. You know, there's some things that we go through in life and we have limited spiritual understanding and we start to look at everything easy as if it's from God and everything hard as if it's from the devil. And in this situation, the hardest thing that Abraham ever had to do, God told him to do it. It wasn't like, no, devil, don't tell me to kill, don't tell me to sacrifice my son. That's God, God got me this promise. No, it's like God gave him a gift and then God asked this question. I feel like God asked this question out of Abraham. He said, who's, who's more important, the gift or the giver? And a lot of times in life, this is how we are with God. We're, you know, I've grown up in church. So growing up in church, people mostly will come to church whenever they're, they they do not have any other option. Like they've exhausted every other option and their finances are a mess. Their relationships are a mess. They're basically, you know, on life support in their soul. And so they're like, God, I just need you. And then God does a lot of great stuff in their life. And then they go, okay, I'm gonna take six months off from church now because I got, I got what I needed. So now I'm living in the promise and God doesn't need anything else out of me, and God's just like my genie, so he's just going to give me gifts. So I'll pray for things, I'll believe for things, and that's not really the kind of relationship that God intends for us to have with him. You see, Abraham was called a friend of God. So God made a covenant with Abraham like a person would make a covenant with their friend because God wanted relationship with Abraham. And, And a lot of times in life, we just put ourselves in a position where what we worship and what we celebrate are the gifts that are given to us more than the giver of the gifts, and that's true. Like just in life as well. I'm not saying that just in a spiritual context, but you know, like there's been times in my life I've gotten bad gifts, and it's like, oh well, it's the thought that counts. No, it's not. This gift is awful. <laughs> Proves to me you did not think about me. <laughs> right, when a person gives you a gift, it's it's a it's a sign of the relationship that you have with them. Um, but in life, we can go through life and we can value gifts over givers. So how do I know I value a, a gift more than a giver? And I don't have these on your slides, but you can go to our app, you can download the Version app, which is a Bible app, and you can look at these things, because these are just a couple of different thoughts that I put that we can assess where we are in this process and say, do I value the gift or do I value the giver here? So people who value gifts, hold tight. People who value the giver, give freely. People who value the gift need others to value them. People who value the giver know the value that they add. If I value the gift, then I need you to also value my gift. I'm not focused on bringing what I bring. I'm focused on you helping me feel like I'm bringing something. People who value the gift want to operate in their gifting. People who value the giver want to bear fruit. So in the church context that I grew up in, there's a lot of discussion around spiritual gifts, like being gifted and let's operate in our gift. You know, uh, not all of us want to be on stage, but I've never heard of a person in my life who had a spiritual gift for stacking chairs. Most people, I got a communication gift. I got a singing gift, I got a musical gift, I got a writing gift, I got a gift that's going to put me in a position for my gifts to be utilized. You know what the Bible talks about is the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. You know God's concerned with us if we value the giver then what we're focused on is demonstrating the fruit not operating in our gifting. People who value the gift are energy demanders. People who value the value the giver are energy producers. People who value the gift live to compete. People who value the giver seek to complete. What I mean by that is that if I, if I am f- focused on my gifting or if I'm focused on what I have that you don't have or what you have that I don't have, I'm in competition with you all the time. I'm always thinking about what I am that you're not and what you're not that I am. Uh, there's a story in, the, in the, the book, The Count of Monte Cristo, there was one one guy who got a full blown like massive horse for his birthday, and his friend who was who was in poverty, got a wooden horse and the friend with the with the massive beautiful horse was jealous that his poor friend with an old busted wooden horse liked the wooden horse more than he liked his his beautiful horse. So that's how we can go through life is like competing with everybody around us as if this is some kind of game. When if I value the giver, then what that means is I have gifts that maybe you don't have, you have gifts that I don't have. And maybe if we got together, we could complete each other, right? People who value the gift live with a poverty mentality. People who value the giver live with an abundance mentality. Poverty mentality says there's never going to be enough. We're not going to make it. I got to get mine and you got to get yours. And if I get mine, that means you can't get yours. And whoever, you know, this is a fight and whoever rises to the top is going to win, like crab mentality. Abundance mentality says God has always got more than enough for all of us, and so we can all win together. People who value the gift are entitled. People who value the giver are grateful. You know, what what Abraham knew in this story was that he wasn't entitled to Isaac. He was grateful for Isaac because Isaac was a gift from God, because people who value the gift think that they earned it. People who value the giver know it was given to them. So Abraham in this, in this story could say to himself, okay, it's been 25 years. I waited. I believed. I earned Isaac. But really the truth is God just gave Isaac. God gave Isaac to Abraham as a gift. So the test that God puts Abraham in the position to pass is do you value the gift or do you value the giver? Because God started the journey in, in Genesis with Abraham saying, I want to be your friend. And then he said, because we're going to make covenant relationship, here's what I'm going to do for you. So what was Abraham's response in this this journey? In Hebrews chapter 11, that I referenced a minute ago, the writer of Hebrews says, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. So we can live with faith. A lot of us can have a faith context, and we think faith is just shutting off our mind, like not being rational anymore, not reasoning about anything, just like, Woo, faith. Like that's all we should do is just like throw the word faith out there and go, Well, I'm having faith. Nothing makes any sense, but you know, at least I got faith. (laughs) That's not how it works. The way it works is, just like Abraham, this is the rational journey I feel like Abraham took in his mind. Okay, God made me a promise. I can check that box. God made me a promise. Second thing is I waited. He waited 25 years. It happened. Great. God gave me the promise. Then that's the next step. Cool. Makes sense. Then God tested me with it. Okay. God tested with my promise. Then I go back to step one. God made me a promise. So what does Abraham reason in his mind? God is not going to change his mind. So God says, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you descendants. And then he says to him, hey, I want you to go sacrifice this son. Those things to us cannot make sense. Now Abraham knew what would happen, so I should just be obedient to God because at some point this promise is going to happen because it's not a promise I made to myself. This is a promise God made to me. And so we overcomplicate this whole testing thing. We start to talk about hard things in our life like they're from the devil. You know, and I'm not saying everything hard that's in my life is from God. I'm just saying perspective really matters the way I decide to see a situation. Maybe Romans chapter 8, 28 is really true that God causes all things to work together for my good. So when I go through hard stuff, I don't need to get overly depressed and and problematize things because maybe God still wants to work that together for my good. Like maybe there's situations in my life where God really is testing me, not testing me in terms of my faith, but testing me in terms of my faithfulness. Those are two different things. They're related to each other, but they're different concepts. Because what God knew, what God knew is that Abraham had faith. To have faith means to go something is possible in the future, and so I'm going to see it and act as if. To be faithful is all of the action that goes along with that. So what does it mean to be faithful? This is like one of my personal life verses. Proverbs 3, 3 through 6. The Bible tells us in the English Standard Version, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. He will make straight your past. When I was growing up, uh, I feel like a lot of my thinking was, oh man, like how do I be successful? You know, the Bible doesn't really talk about success. The Bible doesn't talk about how to become a success in life. It talks about how to be successful with God, but not successful with people. It's right there in Proverbs. How do you find success with God and, man, You practice steadfast love and faithfulness. You just do those two things and that's it. That's really all you got to do. It's really really that simple. And we overcomplicate this idea of testing like, oh, God is teaching me a lesson. I guess I'll figure out what that is. Or the devil's attacking me and so my life's falling apart and whatever, whatever. It's more like, well, where is God always going to try to test me at? In the area of faithfulness. What does it mean to be faithful? That's what God's asking me. And then God puts us in this position where it's like, do you, do you value me? Are you gonna be faithful to me even though everything in your life isn't working out like you thought today? Do you value the giver or do you value the gift? You know, when I was growing up, um, uh, my parents would tell these stories about how, when I was younger, I'd be at my birthday party I'd open a gift and um, uh, a person would be like, oh, I really want one of those. I go, oh, you you can have this. Here, you can have this. So like people would tell this, my parents would tell this story like I was just like this crazy, generous kid. Like I would just give all my toys away and not have any toys. That's not how it worked. I know how my dad is, right? So I give this toy away. My dad's gonna take me to Walmart later and get whatever I want. (laughs) Right? Number one, that's why it's really important the kind of parent you are to your kids as a Christian. Because when your kids are young, they don't really have a context for a spiritual relationship with God, but they have a relationship with you. And the way you are with your kids is an analog of how how they see God being with them. And what I knew with my dad growing up is that no matter what my life looked like, my dad would always go above and beyond to give to me. So I was always more than willing to give my gifts away because like, shoot, my dad gives me anything that I could pretty much want within reason as far as I knew at the time. So this is how what Abraham knew about God. It's like, there's faith. I can be faithful, especially to God, because I know the character and I know the nature of God. I know who he is and I know how he rolls. So we get to Proverbs chapter three and the Bible tells us, here's how you be successful. You walk in steadfast love and faithfulness. What does that word faithfulness mean though in Proverbs chapter three? It's this word emet. It means truth, certainty, dependability, and and realness. So I'm certain. I'm a certain and dependable person. If you're faithful, you are always showing up tomorrow. If you're faithful, we don't gotta call and check where you're at. If you're faithful, uh, you're letting people know, hey, I'm gonna be there. Your yes is yes and your no is no. Faithfulness is not this hyper-spiritual, you know, holy ghost, I'm always feeling it today thing. Faithfulness is, I'm really tired, but I know we got a mission, so I'm here to make it happen today. What do you need? You need someone to carry weight? I'll carry some weight. Faithfulness is, oh man, the only thing we gotta do today is dig a ditch? Man, luckily, I'm really great at digging ditches. Oh, y'all want me to stack some chairs? My spiritual gift is stacking chairs. Y'all don't even know how good I am can stack chairs. Just wait till you see cuz I'm a faithful person. What do we need to be faithful to? And the Bible talks about faithfulness in Proverbs chapter 3. It doesn't say go be faithful to these specific things. There's a couple of things we should be faithful to. The some of the most important things should be that we should be faithful to are whatever we decide to have faith about. So so faith is not a spiritual concept. We, we say it's a spiritual concept because a lot of us, we, we practice these religious doctrines that have to do with faith. Faith is a human concept. Now, I don't know if Walt Disney was a Christian, but Walt Disney had faith that at some point in the swamp of Florida, there could be a place where people got to experience magic he saw that before anybody else did, and he built it based on faith. Now, he didn't, as far as I know, he didn't partner with God on that and go, we're gonna do something for God. It was just like, I'm Disney, my name's really great, and uh, let's build something like this. And don't forget, this was all started by a mouse. Cool. So, so there's things in life that we have faith for, and those are the reasons why we make decisions that we make. So what do I mean by that? Marriage is a step of faith. Now, when we get married, we don't really fully know everything there is to know about this person inside and out, and we really won't ever do that. But when we decide to get married, we take a step of faith based on the possibility that we see within this relationship. So I see this relationship in my future, us having kids together, us growing old together, having a partner that I do life with for the rest of my life. That's a step of faith towards marriage. Now, that step of faith is beautiful. The faithfulness part of that is Ugly. you got to deal with a bunch of stuff that comes along with that. Tithing is a step of faith. When I decide to honor God with my money, I'm taking a step of faith. Now, faithfulness is something else with that. Being like Jesus, choosing to follow Jesus is a step of faith. Doing my job every day is a step of Faith coming to work and working and doing my job and doing things to the best of my ability, what's the step of faith there? Hopefully I'm going to get a promotion. Hopefully I'm going to get a raise. Maybe I'll find a new position somewhere else where they value me based on me developing myself. Having friends is a step of faith. When we do life with people and we trust them with parts of our life that we maybe won't trust other people with, we're taking a step of faith that hopefully, possibly, in the future, I can have these people be energy producers in my life and help me become who God's called me to become, along with friendship. Forgiveness is a step of faith. Because when we forgive somebody, when we truly decide to forgive, we let go as a faith exercise to trust God with whatever our pain is or whatever our hurt is. So when we talk about, when the Bible talks about faithfulness, what the Bible talks about is faith based on the possibility you see being dependable about that. So that means I ne- no matter what my marriage looks like, I never stop showing up in my marriage, no matter what, period, end of sentence. Whatever my life looks like, I never stop giving it my best because that's what faithfulness is. So we can talk about faithfulness. Proverbs says, many a man proclaims his own goodness, but a faithful man, who can find? Talk about this stuff all day. Yeah, let's be spiritual and have core values and throw out a bunch of really cool words and read all kinds of books. But at the end of the day, We gotta have the grit and the ability to say, you know what, on my hardest day, there's one thing I know, and that's I'm not quitting. That's ultimately what faithfulness is. Now, there's this guy named John Wesley. He was a well-known revivalist and preacher way back in the day. I love this this kind of quotation from his diary. He said, Sunday a.m. May 5th, preached at St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday p.m. May 5th, preached at St. John's. Deacons said, get out and stay out. Sunday a.m. May 12th, the week later, preached in St. Jude's, can't go back there either. Sunday a.m. May 19th, preached in St. Somebody Else's. Deacons called a special meeting, said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m. May 19th, preached on the street, kicked off the street. Sunday a.m. May 26th, preached in a meadow, chased out of the meadow by as a bull was turned loose during the service. <laughs> Sunday a.m., June 2nd, preached out on the edge of town, kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m., June 2nd, afternoon, preached in a pasture, 10,000 people came out to hear me. <laughs> faithfulness, faithfulness looks like that. While I'm doing this. Oh, okay, that was awful. All right, I'm gonna show up tomorrow and do it again. Show up later today. Do it again. Keep going. So I love what Pastor Keith said. He's always helped me with this. He says this, persistence, which I put in faithfulness, is doing what you know to do, even when doing what you know to do, doesn't seem to be getting any results. Most of us in life, if we're honest, most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, as soon as we stop seeing results, we quit. I quit on friendships. I quit on relationships. About the one one relationship I haven't quit on so far in my life is my marriage, right? But everything else for me, I'm really good at quitting on it. It's like, oh man, I ate healthy that one day, you know? (laughs) Or like, yeah, I was friends with that person and they hurt my feelings and now, like, done with them forever. That's not what faithfulness is. Faithfulness is like, I'm gonna keep doing what I know to do. Even when doing what I know to do doesn't seem to be getting any results, that is not human. It's not human to go, I don't feel it, it's not happening, the vibes aren't right, you know, it's just not working out, but I'm still showing up tomorrow. Most of us, it's like, it's not working out, the vibes are wrong, I don't like these people, and they don't like me, and I'm gone. So how do I know, like when we say doing what you know to do, what does it mean to do what you know to do? That's the next part. Proverbs chapter 3, again, I'll go back to it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. What does that word acknowledge mean? Yada, which is to know, to learn, to perceive, to discern, to experience. It's not just about faithfulness for the sake of like not being a quitter. It's about faithfulness to the things that we know that we should do. When I make a covenant relationship with my wife, I do not quit on that because I know that's what God honors. Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes says, do not enter into a covenant with somebody and then go, oh, I didn't know what I was doing. So that's how I see it in my own own life in terms of faithfulness. Proverbs, but this word acknowledge, what does this word acknowledge mean? This word acknowledge means to discern, right? To perceive. So in all your ways, so the reason why faithfulness can work is because of the second part, because it's Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. So yes, be faithful, but also in your faithfulness, trust in God and acknowledge him in what faithfulness is. Don't make up your own definition of faithfulness. In all your ways, here's what what that, that word would mean. In all your ways, Know God's ways. In all your ways, learn who God is to you. In all your ways, perceive God's perspective. In all your ways, discern between what's good and best. In all your ways, experience God's direction in your life. How can we do that? Not through preaching, not through worship, not through coming to church not through going to a ministry. Are all of those things important? Absolutely, but they are supplemental based on your own personal discipline of reading the word. Right. Now that might not be something that you know, is normal for us is getting in the word of God and reading the Bible. You might have grown up on the King James and gone, no, you know, I'm not really the thou ye guy. You don't have to be that guy. There's all kinds of translations now that you can read that you can get started in. Proverbs, if you've never read the Bible before in your life, Start in Proverbs. There's one proverb for every day. You can read a chapter in Proverbs in like two to five minutes max and it's practical wisdom for just you living your life every day. Just start there and allow and acknowledge God in that way. Acknowledge God in a practical way. Don't start with all the crazy spiritual weird stuff. Start with like the practical aspects of Proverbs that say here's what to do, here's what a fool does, here's what a wise person does. If you want to start with reading the story of Jesus, start in the book of John. Read the New Testament, then go back and read the Old Testament. I would recommend if you've never read the Bible before, don't start in the Old Testament. You'll end up with way more questions than answers. Though so as a church, we're here to help you with that. But what a lot of people do is the only time they're going to hear God's word is when they hear a message that's preached, when they listen to worship music, or they come to some kind of ministry environment. For me to properly acknowledge God, in all my ways acknowledge him and he will direct my path, I have to learn and discern and understand what is, what is God's way. And the place where God's way is, is in the word. So I want to encourage you if that's if that's not something that you do that's not something that's just for pastors that's for all of us because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter sixteen verse nine that we make our plans but the Lord directs our steps God wants to lead us and guide us ultimately how do I have how do I have faithfulness how do, how can I have legendary faithfulness number one do things God's way the only proper way to learn God's way is to get in His Word. It's like if you say to me, hey, um, I, I really want to like live, but I only take vitamins and I don't ever eat food or drink water, uh, you're going to die. <laughs> Church, life, small groups, ministries, worship, all of that is supplemental. Does it help us be like nutrified as a Christian? Sure. But if I don't eat the meat of the word, like if I don't get in the word for myself, I'm not fed. I'm not living. So I got to know God's way for myself. I got to seek that out. Number two, decide who and what you want to be faithful to. Now, if that's your spouse, great. You know, if that's your friends, awesome. If that's your job, if that's whatever it is that you feel like God's called you to do, then step into that. That's a decision that you actually get to make of what you decide to be faithful to. Now, step three, repeat steps one and two. Just do those two things, right? That's step three and step four is just a reminder of that. If you forget, become unfaithful or make a mistake, start all over at step one. Because <laughs> here's the thing, all of us, all of us are human beings. Right, so like sometimes we can come in church and say, well, I went through a divorce before. I've had times in my life where I was unfaithful and you know that means God's disqualified me. No, just like go back to step one, okay? Just start over at step one. And like I love what Pastor Keith says about that. He says, hey, your first marriage might not have worked out, your third or fourth or fifth, but just make this one the one right? Make this, your, your friendships might not have worked out. You might not have been a faithful person before, but starting from today, you can make today a faithful day for you. You can make the situation that, that you and I can make the situations that we're in right now, situations that we can be faithful to. That's how the grace of God works in our life. God's not asking us to be perfect people. Abraham himself was not fully faithful. We know that with the story of Hagar. Like he was like, oh, you know, him and his wife talked and it was like, you know, we're kind of waiting on this. Isaac deal, and maybe if if we just did this with Hagar, then we'll just make that happen on our own. That didn't work out, right? So that might be too complicated, though. This might not, this might be too many words, four steps. So let's simplify it even further. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells this story. It's called the parable of the talents. And um, um, if you know the story, then great. If you don't know the story, I'll paraphrase it for you. He gave one servant, one, one talent. He gave another two and another five. And he said, go. And he, this guy was a master. it's a story. This master gave his servants talents and said, okay, I'm going to come back in town. So he comes back in town. The one who had one talent didn't do anything with it. The one who had two talents doubled it. And the one who had five talents doubled it. And so here's what the master says at the end of that story. He looks at the servants that doubled the talents and he said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in the small things and now you'll be ruler over much. I will give you many responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. He said that to the person who had two talents, who turned them into four, and the person who had five talents that turned them into ten. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Now you and I, um, we might be similar in that I'm not really sure, like someone asked me recently, they're like, hey, what do you feel like you're gifted at? I'm like, you know what, I don't know. You know, I'm just trying to do a good job every day. (laughs) Just trying to make it, smile more than I frown. That's really, hopefully, what I can do. I don't necessarily have a lot of time to think about my gifting, because I'm just trying not to quit today, you know? Maybe you're that way. Maybe you're more of a struggler. I'm a really great struggler. That is my gift. I just found it. <laughs> I'm the best at struggling. I will make, I will make you look good with how much I struggle. That's my gift. It's like a, I'm, you know, it's like, wow, Josh, he's, he's really having a hard time. Yeah, we're doing great though, man. Like the other day I was I was working out with a friend of mine and we were running suicides. I had not run suicides since I was 17 in basketball practice. And I was like, so last place. Like, they were, they were catching their breath by the time I was finishing Suicides, the guys I was running with. And so one of the guys that I was working out with came to, he to said, hey man, like, you know, just, he was trying to encourage me. Like, hey, I was, in high school, I was like the man. I was always the best. And so, you know, if you just keep practicing, you'll be able to catch up with us. And I was like, dude, you don't understand. Like, I have never been first place in any race I've ever run. So me being in last place is kind of like my, the position God's called me to, you know? (laughs) Bringing up the rear, here he comes, right? So I'm that guy, I'm the guy, I'm great at struggling. So uh, (laughs) we're gonna all go run a mile. Oh, Josh's time, 15 minutes. Well, did you do your best? Yes, I did, okay. So some of us can feel like in that story if we're really insecure, which I would encourage you not to be, but if we're really insecure, we can feel like we're a low-talent person and we don't have a lot to offer, Here's what what the master says. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. There's three things we can control no matter what, no matter how gifted we feel, no matter how talented we feel, no matter how good of a day it is, no matter how bad of a day it is. There's three things you and I can control that demonstrate servanthood. Explain like I'm five, legendary faithfulness. Number one, be your best. We can do good. The master said to the servants, Good servant. All of us can be our best. That is not a gifting. That's not a spiritual talent. That's not something that only God can do. You and I, every day, we can bring our best to every circumstance and every situation. And we can purpose to do that. And we can drive to do that. And we can fight for that. No matter how we feel or how things are going, we can be our best. So we can be good. Number two, we can never quit. Faithful. If you want this the most simple definition of faithfulness that exists in the world, just don't quit on anything. Always show up tomorrow. So for me, what I know, there's been, and I've told this story a few times in our church, but there has been multiple times in my, in my working life here where I have like, written my resignation and said, I can't do this anymore. And, the, and I, don't, I haven't done that in a long time, like 10 years, uh, because I just got really good at one thing, and that's not quitting So I didn't become better at not struggling. I'm really still really good at that. (laughs) But what I know about myself, what I'm confident about at this point in my life, is I'm not quitting. I'm showing up tomorrow. So yes, today... So yeah, today was, today was hard, or today was a difficult day, or today, in, in you know, we can have fights in our marriage, or I can have a hard day with my kids, or whatever, whatever my kind of stuff is, and I, in my life early on, I would get to this point, I would really hold my, hold my hand right above the quit button, and be like, hey, I'm about to press this, and I felt like the, the place that God's dealt with me the most on is, what does it mean to be faithful? Because if success is faithfulness, then faithfulness is not quitting. Then I'll just be successful if I just don't leave. <laughs> I mean, literally, that's, that's pretty much, if we, can, if we can just never quit, then it's going to work out. The only people it doesn't work out for are quitters. Everyone else, you kind of make it to the end. That's what Paul talks about. Run the race with endurance. Like, keep your eyes on the prize. So I can be faithful. That's not a spiritual gift either. That's just like grinding like holding your, grinding your teeth and just like, I'm going to hold on. That's faithfulness. The third thing is I can be a servant. I can serve my wife. I can serve my kids. I can serve this church. I can serve the people that are around me. That's what the master said to them. When God looks at us and he wants something out of us and he tests us like he tested Abraham, What he's looking for is for people that he can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been good, you've you've given your best. Your best isn't someone else's best, your best is your best. You've given your best. You've been faithful, you you didn't quit. You didn't quit when other people could've, you didn't quit, and number three, you were a servant, you didn't make it all about you. You weren't thinking about yourself, you were thinking about the kind of people that needed you. You looked at your family and said, how can I serve my family? You looked at the world and you said, how can I serve the world? And then he says this, so I'll go back, and then we're almost done. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Question What's a small amount to you? Like in my mind, I don't, I don't know what a small amount would be to you, but I know what a small amount would be to me. In this story, the master gives his servants talents, and a talent uh, is a measurement of weight, a talent is 75 pounds. So the story tells us that these servants got a talent of silver. Now we don't know how much it was worth—way more than we're about to talk about. But the talent of silver that these people got was worth a lot of money, and it's worth a lot of money today. So right now, silver is about twenty-five dollars an ounce. Okay, um, one talent equals seventy-five hundred pounds, which is twelve hundred ounces. Which, if you got one talent of silver, it's about thirty thousand dollars. Then four talents. So we know the person with one talent didn't multiply it. They didn't do anything. They just kind of, they literally put it in a hole. The person with two talents multiplied it into four. That's 300 pounds, 4,800 ounces, $120,000. 10 talents, 750 pounds, 12,000 ounces, 300 thousand dollars was what these people had had built so when we read the parable of the talents it's not like a dude got a ten dollar bill and went and put it in the ground the guy gave him 75 pounds of silver a dog food bag full of silver and the guy with one one talent was not good was not faithful and was not a servant so he went and put it in the ground the rest of the guys multiplied it so the second question what's a small amount to you and then what's a small amount to god Because the master looks at the guy that had 10 talents, 750 pounds of silver, looked at him and said, you have been faithful in a little amount, in a small amount. Now, you might be sitting in here and one talent of silver might be little to you, $30,000. $300,000 is not insignificant, I don't think, to anybody. You know, it'd be kind of like, this story of an insignificant amount would be kind of like, you know, Elon Musk, who's worth around $200 billion, coming to you or I and saying, hey, I have 200 of these, and I'll just give you one of them, because it's really not not that big of a deal for me, for me to give you $1 billion. Now, for you or I, unless we are actively billionaires in this room, if you are, we'd love to all meet you after service. (laughs) But you and I, a $1 billion is huge. To Elon Musk, $1 billion is one two-hundredth of his net worth. So, so we look at this story of Abraham, and Isaac was such a big deal to Abraham, right? It's my only son. This is, the, this is the promise. This is the thing that God said I was gonna get, and God's like, dude, I'm trying to make your descendants the, the sand on the seashore, stars in the sky stuff. You just want one. That's nothing to me. Not that Isaac didn't matter to God, but having one son was nothing to God compared to what it looks like today. We are sitting in this room right now because of Abraham. That's what, that's what the New Testament tells us, is that we are heirs to Abraham's promise. Abraham could not fathom in his mind a written book, much less the fact that we're streaming this live online wherever in the world that it's going. So God knew all the stuff that he was going to do through Abraham's descendants. So if Abraham would have said, you know what, God, I can't be faithful with this thing that's a big deal to me. It's a really big deal to me. God's like, dude, like that's, compared to what I want to do for you, man. You can trust me with that one thing. Compared to what I want to do through your marriage, like you can make it happen. You can not quit on that. All I need you to do today is just not quit on something. That's it. Like that's, that's what God, that's what God asks out of us is he just says to us, look like, yeah, okay, it's hard, whatever, you know, but here's what we do. Like here's what we do in life. Most of the time we go through life and we walk, right? Well, you know, a lot of us at work, we sit down a lot when you're walking. And when you're standing there, it's really easy to walk away, right? So if I'm walking with you and we just decide to change our direction, like that's really easy for me to do. I can just like pivot that way what Abraham did in this story in Genesis chapter two was he didn't just <clears throat> stand up with Isaac and stab him with a knife. Like he didn't sneak attack him, right? Bible says he got down and he built an altar. And An altar is a place of consecration. It's a place where you make a sacrifice on purpose. It's a place where you get down, like you get down on your knees and you go, okay, God, like this is my son, Like, this is the promise that you gave me, and I built this altar, I built this stone altar right here, and I'm gonna lay him on that, and I'm gonna intentionally sacrifice him to you, and when I'm kneeling, I can't turn around. I mean, I could, right, but then I'm like, oh, you know, oompa loompa in it. (laughs) So when you decide to be faithful, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm putting myself in a position of weakness in front of God, saying, God, man, if an enemy snuck up behind me right now, I'm dead. I can't turn around even if I wanted to. If I, if, I got, if I got hit by something right now, I'd just have to break my legs and knock me over. So God, I'm in front of you right now. And I've built this altar. And I've got this promise that you've given me. I got this thing that I just feel like I'm entitled to. And what I've decided to do, man, is just get on my knees Cause I can't move that much when I'm on my knees I'm gonna be faithful to you that's what God was asking out of Abraham was sacrifice sacrifice is intentional sacrifice is I'm making the decision how God can take some stuff from us whenever he wants sacrifice is saying oh man God I know you have so much more for me than this situation I know you have so much more for me than the difficulty that I feel right now. So I'm going to consecrate myself. I'm going to consecrate this situation, this circumstance to you. And I'm going to say, God, you can just have it. Like you can just have this thing. And I know you're going to provide whatever that is that you're going to provide. God, I know you're going to provide it. And I'm going to be faithful. And you don't have to worry about me because I know the possibility that's in my future. I know even if I sacrifice this myself that you could raise it from the dead because you're that kind of God. So why would I quit? Why would I look at my marriage or look at a situation that I'm in or look at a circumstance that I'm in and go, there's no hope in this. I'm in there. Of course there's hope in there. I ain't no quitter. You're not built for that. Like if there's one thing I know at this point in my life, I don't know a lot. If there's one thing I know, I ain't quitting. Man, it sucks. Yeah, you know, whatever. Whatever. It won't suck tomorrow or maybe 10 years from now. It won't suck. But I'm just telling you, I'm not going to quit on it. This is hard. I know it's hard. Yeah, man, it's hard for sure. But guess what? All we have to do right now is not quit. That's all we have to do. I can be good. I can be faithful. And I can be a servant. This is what God asked out of Abraham. If you and me want to have legendary faith like Abraham, man, we got to have legendary faithfulness. You're not risking it all. You're putting it all on the altar. That ain't a risk. It's not a risk when you know the dude that made the promise in the first place. That's what Hebrews 11 says. Yeah. Hebrews 11, when it talks about Abraham, he knew that God could raise Isaac from the dead. He reasoned in his mind this ain't a risk. Man. This is just a part of the journey. You're not risking anything. God's God's got you. God's on your side. God's for you. God works things together for our good. We've seen him do it before. We've seen him do it in other people's lives. So why wouldn't he do it in our life? He is absolutely for us. You've got a fingerprint. This is what we teach here at this church. You've got a fingerprint that no one else has, leave an imprint that nobody else can leave. You think God doesn't want you to leave your imprint on the world? Get out of here with that. God wants to use you to change the world. But all you and I got to do is put ourselves in a position where we just don't quit. Hey, bow your heads with me and close your eyes. Um, You know, maybe today, whether it's through worship or this word or whatever it is that God's been stirring in your own heart, Um, You just know uh, that you got to get faith. It starts with faith. Faith is seeing this possibility like, man, like, God, I I know you want to do something with my life. I I know there's more. I I know there's maybe you're spiritually lost right now. You have no connection, but you just know there's so much more for you. You know where that starts is by choosing to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Choosing to say yes to the ultimate promise, and that's the promise of eternity. You see, God was all about being, being friends with Abraham making him, making Abraham's family his family. And that's what he did. And that's the same thing God invites us into. So you might be sitting in here or watching online and you have no spiritual context. You have no context for really having a relationship with God. And what, what God wants us to do is, is for us to make Jesus the Lord of our life, for us to look at Jesus and say, I'm going to model my life after him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to do that first thing, and that's do it God's way. and and maybe right now it's just stirring your faith. Maybe it's about that. Maybe it's about something else. You just need to have faith, period. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to invite you to just pray a prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. From this day forward, I give you my life. Help me have faith for the impossible. In your name I pray, amen. So it's that easy to decide. But faithfulness is the hard part. Faithfulness is what you and I gotta all go do when we walk out of these doors. It's how we gotta live our lives every day. If you prayed that prayer, though, and you're like, man, I wanna be surrounded by some faithful people. I can't make a promise about how great our church is except to say we're all humans and we believe God's really great. So it's a little bit messy, but hopefully we can do some life together and help each other. So if you're watching online, you're in this room and you prayed that prayer and you said, "You said, man, I want to follow Jesus like I never have before. Our number is 972-945-9772. You can text Jesus to that number. We're here to serve you, love you, speak strength into you, speak life into you, because you know on the journey of faithfulness, you know what you need You need around you? People that are energy producers that are saying to you, you can do it. You got it. You're built for that battle. You're made for that. God made you to win. That's what it is. Church represents is we get surrounded by people who are for us like God is for us. So make sure that you do that. Make sure that you intentionally connect with us. If you want to go up to our welcome lounge after, if you want to run into somebody that's wearing a shirt with our logo on it and have them pray for you today or be their, be your friend, that's awesome. We call them instant best friends. They're here to be your best friend right now. Make sure that you do that. But if you're here and you're like, man, like, I'm going to get faithful, which is just not quit, I'm going to get that don't quit anointing. I'm going to be a person that I'm going to resolve moving forward from today that I'm going to be more faithful than I've ever been in my life. I want to see the success that God has for me. I want to pray a prayer for you because you need strength. You need strength not from me. You need strength from the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and to keep you right. But if that's you, what I just want you to do, I know you're sitting down. Just sit down and put your hands up just as a sign of, hey, like I'm surrendering to God right now. I'm sacrificing. I'm putting it on the altar. So God, we come before you. I thank you for your word thank you for the fact that your word tells us that we can bind steadfast love and faithfulness around our neck. We can write these things on the tablet of our heart, and we can find success with you and with man. God, I pray right now in each person's life, that can hear my voice or is even watching online, God, that they would trust in you like never before, trust in you in all their ways, And lean not to what they see right now. Lean not on their own own understanding, but acknowledge you. God, I pray that you would direct their paths like never before. God, I pray that you would strengthen them, that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide them. God, that you would give them stronger resolve than they've ever had before, that they would have too much grit to quit. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Y'all give God a big hand. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevatelive forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.